I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Ben Holderness, and you have stumbled across the whole- our podcast. Yes, he sounds really happy right now. Well, you know, it, this is my favorite time of week. It's it's really the only time I get alone with you, Aww. with also Max, I know. our producer, um, <laughs> just to kind of talk about how to be better at life, and, you know, we get some good tips. We've got a great couple of guests today who are going to help us be better at parenting our soon-to-be teenager. So it's going to be... This is. I'm very excited about it. I'm also excited that today's podcast, and for that matter, our podcast guest, brought to you by Protective Life Insurance Company. Yeah, Protective has been helping people secure their financial futures for more than 100 years. That's a real long time through life insurance and retirement products. You can find out more through your local financial advisor or at protective.com. And while you're there... Be sure to go to the Library of Financial Education Materials and help you get smarter about planning for your future. Penn, I'm looking at you. Yeah, and you may even find some of our music videos in that library. They've been our friends for a while. And yes, they let we us, love they them. They let us be silly on their website. Yes, we love Protective. Yeah, and today's topic, you're going to hear us talk a little bit about later in the podcast, a little segment about debt and how to save for college and retirement while you're in debt. It's a whole thing. Anyway, on to the show. Lisa Hefferman and Mary Dell Harrington are the co-founders of Grown and Flown. They are writers, they're moms, and they're friends. We need like some sweet music when we say, no, they are and friends. they're friends. Yes. They created Grown and Flown when each of their youngest kids were in high school and their oldest kids were in college. We are on a freight train to that, by the way. Uh, it's become the number one site for parents with teens and college students. It reaches millions of parents every month. They just wrote a book called Grown and Flown. How to support, there it is. How to support your teens, stay close as a family, and raise independent adults. In their past incarnations, Mary Dell was in television and media. Lisa had a career that included Wall Street politics and writing. Lisa's a New York Times bestselling author of three books, including Goldman Sachs, the culture of success. They both live with their husbands in the New York area where they raise their families, and they are going to join us in good old Raleigh thanks to the internet. <laughs> what? I tried to read that with some energy because that was long. <laughs> and they're here with us now. Yeah. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you so much for being here. Thank, Thank you for having us on. See, they're in two different locations, and they just did that at the same time, which is impressive. This is the power of Zoom. And by the way, I want to give a quick shout-out to Mary Dell. We're going to give a shout-out to Lisa as well. But when we first said hello to Mary Dell, she said, how are y'all? Yeah. And, I, and you know, a tuning fork went off because that's how we say it in the South. Okay. Well, that's how you say it in the South. I have yet to adopt, but I love that you have that connection with Mary Dell. Thanks, hon. Okay. We're going to let you guys talk here in a second. But first, um, tell us about grown, the Grown and Flown community for people and what you guys do for people who may not know. Okay. Um, well, we're, we're a website, and we started the website when our kids were in high school because we found that we were facing what we think are the hardest, most consequential years of parenting, and there just wasn't a lot out there. So we started a website. We got lots of writers, lots of experts to write for us, and then we started a Facebook group that went a little crazy. Um, not that the parents are crazy, but the growth was crazy. Yeah. Um, and we've got about 130,000 parents in a nonstop conversation about the challenges of raising teens. Yeah, I agree with you that, you know, I read a million baby books, but I haven't had time really to invest in reading all the other. I still do. I still do. Um, But to have a community for this specific age range. So the Grown and Flown, what age ranges are you targeting here? High school and college age. Yeah. Yeah. We're a little bit flexible, though, because, as you know, parents have many parents have multiple kids. So you might have your oldest in high school, but your youngest is still in elementary school. So we 
we let them all in. <laughs> yeah, everybody's welcome. So when you guys Everyone's decided welcome. to write these books, was it, oh, I'm going to help people? Or was it, holy crap, I don't know what I'm going to do? Because every time I talk to a parent of a high school kid, they're freaking out. Like, it's getting harder and harder to make that transition from when you're living in the home to, like, when you're living independently. It seemed a lot easier when we were kids. It was the latter. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was my guess. That was my guess. It was feeling confused. It was feeling alone. We're most alone at this stage of parenting. You know, we don't have our baby groups. We don't drive our kids so much when they start to drive. You can't always talk about their problems with other parents because they're privacy. Um, so you can feel really alone when you're going through some really important things. So we thought a community would be helpful. That is so true. I do feel a little more isolated right now because right now, you know, Lola comes home. She's 12 and she comes home from sports, which is great. And she's straight up into her room to do homework, which is great. But I, I feel like I don't even really see her much anymore, which is a very sad transition. And there was probably a time when she was two two years old where I was like, get away from me. I just need some privacy. And now I'm like, oh, just hang out with me. So <laughs> transitioning from middle school to high school, do you have a way, I mean, to kind of set them up for success and as parents set ourselves up for success? Well, it's really can be quite a shock for parents because when your kids go to high school, you feel like you finally hit the big leagues and in a way you sort of have. Your freshmen might be on sports teams with older kids. They may be in classes with older kids. They're probably riding the bus with older kids and they're hanging out with friends who may have older siblings. So all of a sudden they're in a world it is filled with these really kind of quasi-adult things of sex, drugs, alcohol, not to scare you, but you know it's coming. Yeah, no, totally. And they're also, so it's all those societal things that are happening and, and behavioral issues, but then they're also facing um, hot, tougher academics, more competitive sports. So everything really gets ratcheted up. And they do have to, it is good that parents um, are thinking about how to prepare their kids for this big step up in ninth grade. And we've, we've thought of some things that we thought could be helpful that we just wanted to sort of tick off. Um, one is that they really have to know how to talk to their teachers and their advisors for help. Um, you know, before they were kind of maybe spoon fed what to do, and now they really have to step it up and be um, advocate, advocate for themselves and develop relationships with these teachers. It's not just enough to sit in class and be a good student, but they really have to develop a rapport and know how to talk to a teacher, how to set up a meeting, how to send an email. Those are all really good, mm -hmm. you know, life skills that, that, that they may not necessarily have when they're in middle school or may not necessarily need. I'm sure you have even more tips, but I want to stop on that one just for a second because that one is striking a familiar chord to us. Our daughter is... <laughs> hmm, <laughs> So I like I think our son's just gonna like he's just gonna end up at Duke and we're gonna be like how the hell did that happen? Uh, because he's he's very self sufficient and he's doing he seems to be doing very well and we're I completely think we ignoring him. Yeah. I think we overparented yeah. our first child. And, right. So okay. e exactly. And so, but we're at the point now where she is she's doing she's knocking the social part of school out of the park. She really is. She's a good friend. She doesn't get involved in any of this drama. I'm so grateful for all of that. She has some genius in her, but it doesn't seem to be translating to grades. You know what I mean? Yeah, like she's, she's doing fine, by she's the way. Smart, she's but, fine. But, but she's not like getting straight A's. And so what we do is we're, we're like, how do we get her to get this grade? Um, and so we kind of interject, both of us do, totally. a little bit. And I don't think we're doing the best job of making them advocate, advocate for themselves. So I guess what I'm trying to say is we're kind of helicoptering our, parent, our, our kids. 
Um, so, so can you fix this, please? What are we doing? <laughs> Uh, we'll come down and visit you anytime Please. you want. Okay, that'd be great. <laughs> We'd love that. We think that that term helicopter parenting is really, really overused, and you're probably just being really, really good parents. Um, everything, all the studies, all the data show we are much closer to our kids. We talk to our kids more. We spend more time with our kids. That does not make us helicopter parents, so I wouldn't worry so much about that one. Yeah, I and I actually have like a whole because I know you write a lot about you've written a lot about that. And I'm going to get to that. I want to let you finish those. So you had some tips about that transition and about like talking. Oh, to, sure. Yeah. Sure, talking to sure. teachers. What, well, I think. Yeah. One of one of the big things that kids uh, will differentiate kids from having a great experience, maybe a less great experience is if they can engage in something and join something. And you know this already from your children um, in their teams or their activities that they're involved in. Um, Lisa and I have five kids between our two families. She has three boys and I have a son and a daughter and all of them played sports. So that was a big and, and relatively easy way for them to connect and find their, their friends and, and have Mm -hmm. these shared experiences with our daughter. There was much more of experimentation with determining what sports she wanted to play. And as a result, she's probably the best athlete in the family because don't tell, don't tell my son. Your secret safe, your secret safe. um, Yes. Uh, Annie, Annie, uh, you know, is the younger and she cross trained. She did all these different sports um, and she met a lot of different kids and made friends and had many other experiences. Walker was much more in the mode of baseball, basketball, baseball, basketball, football, then football, football, football. Mm -hmm. So um, certainly, but finding your thing is really huge. You know, a lot of kids when they go to ninth grade want to cling to what's familiar to them. And I think some really good parenting we can do is to urge them to branch out. So try new activities, try new clubs, try new sports, try some new friends. Um, That's not always easy. It's really comfortable to stick with the kids you've always known. But many kids go into a larger school in high school than they had beforehand in many school districts. And it's really a chance to meet some new people. In terms of our parenting, Time to get some really serious talks about some of the harder stuff. Mary Dell touched on some of the things that we all know that they're going to be facing. It's easy to think that talking to them about sex or drugs or alcohol is a one-time conversation, but it is a long conversation over mm-hmm. many, many years, and it ratchets up in ninth grade. The one thing we think we shouldn't spend a lot of time talking about when kids start high school is college. Ooh. Yeah. Because we all remember high school pretty well. It's a pretty seminal experience in our life. It's a big experience in our life. And if we make high school all about getting into college, they never have high school. And that's what it's become. And we're really, really strong advocates of not talking about college all the time. Uh, That sounds great. (laughs) Well, I think that, but don't you feel like it's already being... In seventh grade, they're talking about colleges in our middle school. It's crazy. And this is where... I lose my mind a little bit. And it's not the school where we are specifically, but there are schools in the area that, you know, kids upset that they didn't test into this one math in sixth grade, because if they don't test into the, into this math, they won't be able to take exit high school at this math. And therefore they won't be, I'm like, oh my Lord, that, that requires us a, a um, that's just not the kids we have. So we're fine. Um, but I feel like it's being fed. The college track is just being fed a lot. So I think that's very, that will be very hard advice to follow. Well, it, that's why you're following it because it's in, it's already in their world. Their, your, your home needs to be a refuge from that for them. They need to come home and know that People are talking about it at school, and mom and dad are not going to talk about it at home. We're not going to get this 24-7 when we're 12 years old. Yes, when we're 17 years old, but not when we're 12 or 13 or 14. 
That's that's really that's really good advice. Can I tell a story about why we left New York? <laughs> no, yeah, yes. we'd love um, to hear that one. <laughs> first of all, we love New York. We lived down in Tribeca, and the main reason we left New York was because we didn't have enough money. But the story that the story that I <laughs> like that. to tell people, yeah, the story I like to tell people and just kind of say, "Oh, New York, you're so crazy." We went to go check out a preschool in Tribeca while Kim was pregnant. You had to tour when you were pregnant. Yes. And so the lady, I don't want to make fun of her voice, but she had a very like New York voice and effect, you know, this kind of voice. And she goes, when is your baby due? And, and It was February. We're having and, a girl. And she goes, oh my God, Vassa loves February babies. I was like, Vassar? True story. We I, turned around and like looked for a place to live I in North like, Carolina. I was like, I can't participate in this. And a year later, we were gone. <laughs> we were talking about college while the baby well, was still it, in my wife's it, uterus. Well, wow. They were talking about college. Anyway. That's some story. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, Vassar loves February babies. So, P.S. It was a great preschool, by the way. Yes, I'm sure, it was a great but, preschool. Yeah. Um, so, back to the helicopter parenting thing. I love that you have said, hey, it's actually not such a bad thing. And you're, and you're using the term wrong because my kids. And I have I've I joke that I am a helicopter parent because I, for example, my daughter just called me a minute before we started. She has a tennis match that's starting right now, and she forgot her. She has to bring her tennis bag to school, and she forgot her tennis shoes. So she's going to be wearing her kind of like floppy, you know, kind of slides to play. But not my problem. But that's like the the helicopter tendencies. Like typically, I would check those things. You know, but it seems like you and I have this kind of conversation a lot. Like, do you do you overparent or do you underparent and let them just kind of? I don't. I'm trying s- to let them screw up a little bit. Yeah, more. let them screw up themselves. But but tell me that I'm not doing such a terrible job. <laughs> I think screwing up a little bit themselves is really formative, you know, and not rescuing them at every Mm -hmm. opportunity. There will be things that you will rescue them for because it's really crucial that that they don't just crash and burn. Uh, But not every single thing deserves that degree of like immediacy. Mm -hmm. But, But also when we do things for them like that, we're kind of showing them how we care for other people in our family. You would do that for each other. So, you know, the, the notion of not doing anything for your kid that they can do for themselves, mm-hmm. I think is really extreme. We do things for our spouses. We do things for our siblings. We do things for our parents that they can certainly do themselves. That's how families show love and caring. And that's what we're modeling for our kids when we do some of those things. What's a better term than helicopter parenting? I, I, you guys touched on it, and I actually agree. I think it's used way too much, and it's it's used in all different forms and all different contexts. Sometimes even when you're like, okay, I'm just waiting a few extra minutes for my daughter and, you know, watch her walk into the school. Oh, helicopter parent. Like, what, what's a better use of that word? They're involved. Been involved. That's, that's the more involved, caring parent. Those are the positive terms. There have yeah. been any kind of other negative terms that are all mechanical. Snowplow. Snow, hel- um, yeah, Snowplow. the lawnmower. Um, but I lawnmower, loved, right. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, you, you guys had in there, you know, in the book about would you asking the question would you do it for a friend's kid so mm-hmm. if a friend's kid asked to read you know a resume or a friend's kid asked you to do this like is that something that you would do without question for a friend's child if the answer is yes don't feel bad about doing it for your own child um is it, I, so I, I i loved that that was pretty good we think that's an important litmus test that can help you know where you are on the line. Like if you, if your neighbor's kid said, would you mind calling my English teacher and telling them that I really <laughs> did much better on that paper? That's crazy, right? You would never do that. Right. Maybe that's not really what you should do for your own kid either, because you realize it's just, that's still taking you over the line 
into doing something that's more controlling and not that helpful. Now, so the title of the book is, you know, how to, you know, grown and flown, how to support your teen, stay close in a family and raise independent adults. So I, I love that. And I pray that I'm going to raise independent adults. But with all this sort of handholding, um, how, how are, how are, how do we, how do we, how do we do that? What do we do? Well, one, well, I think one of the uh, litmus tests is the one that Mary Dell just gave you. Another one is our kids don't have milestones when they had when they were little. You know, there was a time when our kids were supposed to walk and stand and sit. Those are gone. What we're trying to do is just move towards adulting. Is my kid making progress to being more independent? Because you just, you just mentioned you've got two different kids. They're totally different. You've just described already what most of us see. So the notion that they should be doing any single thing by any single date is really tough with teens. So the the litmus test we like to use is, are you moving forward? And are you as a parent moving into a mentoring role? So fewer edicts, more suggestions, less imposing your will, more giving advice. It's not going to happen all at once, but can you feel progress for yourself moving into that mentoring role? And, and you, I th- well, you go ahead, Mary Dell. You mentioned Lola's gym bag or tennis yes, bag. Yeah. So maybe, you know, you're the one packing them up right now at 12. Maybe in a few months, she'll she'll do a better job of packing up her bag. And then maybe in another few months, she'll remember to take it out to the car and you won't have to remind <laughs> her of that. So these are all little developmental, um, it's developmental progress. And yeah. if you can see that happening, then you know that you're really doing a good job. You're helping them along. You're becoming, mm-hmm. you're you're mentoring them to adulthood, which yeah. is the most important role that we have as parents. For the record, she is packing it herself, which is why she always forgets things. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, she's getting there, though. She's, she's making an effort. There. She's probably yes. doing 90% right. Yeah. You guys, you guys, um, I, need, I need help here. I need you to give me the exact date that my daughter will start sharing things with me again. Aww. So like 2023, 2000, no, when, when is that going to happen? She's talking a lot to me. I think she feels safe talking to mom about just, you know, boys th- and, 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 and growing and like, but then, but that, that's going to steamroll into sex, drugs and alcohol and all the important things that I would like to help out with a little bit. And just full disclosure, I raised her for like, I was the Manny for the first like well, year. He was primary caregiver for the yeah, first year, for the yeah. first year of her life. And so like, we have a special bond and I know she likes me, but she's at that phase that I don't blame her for it, that everyone's at where she's just not talking to me anymore. So give me, I need the date. So just so I can have something to look forward to and throw a big party. When will she come back to me, please? I bet Freshman she's not that far away. <laughs> Freshman year of college. That's a good date. Oh, but, yeah. I, I bet I heard on a podcast where you guys do rock climbing together. Is that right? We do all th- we do tennis together. We do rock climbing together. We binge watch Parks and Rec together. We have a lot of things we do together, but none of that is talking about anything important. And she does all that with Kim. Well, a lot of the things that you described are very personal to to women development. You know, as she's growing into a, a young woman, it's these can be kind of scary and and really uh, times when it's great to have a mom that you can be close with and ask those questions to. And also, if you're binge watching a show and an issue comes up that you want to talk to your child about, talk about it in the context. Don't talk, ask about that. Don't ask. No direct questions. No, oh, I know no, that trick. Yeah. No forward on. Yeah. Go in through the show. Yeah, totally um, use that trick before to try to get well, information about I, boys. Yeah. I do believe what you said about the sex conversation and drugs like that can't that we I kind of say it needs to happen almost in a spiral. So you have it the first time and then it gets a little wider and then it gets a little wider. So we had the the talk about protection um 
with when what? I watched sis, with, with Sister, Lola? yeah, with oh, Sisterhood okay. of Traveling Pants two. <laughs> we were watching that, and there was there was um, you know a breakage, you know, after you know. <laughs> and, and, and so I had to explain. I hit pause. I'm like, okay, so here's what that means. And here's, you know, they're in a loving relationship, and this is what happened. And then this happened. This is why we protect ourselves. And, and, and her, she didn't repeat anything. She's like, okay, do I? Do we have to keep talking about this? No, but you just needed. To, and so then we hit play, and then we'll have the conversation again, and we'll have the conversation again. So it'll, it'll. She's not. She loves you. She's obsessed. With I don't you. doubt that. I just want to be, this is like a crucial part of her life, mm-hmm. and I feel her avoiding the male figure in the family for obvious reasons. Right. So, anyway, thanks. I'll, I, I can wait till college. I it, just don't want to wait till, no. like, I have to pay for a wedding. No, is, is there a time to, to, when do you think people should start the sex, drugs, and all that uh, talk? Middle school. Certainly by middle school, the con- yeah. I think one, one mom's opinion, the conversation. And I think the way you described it is absolutely perfect. It's a spiral. You keep going back in more detail. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Penn, you know I'm always looking for a snack that's both nutritious and tasty. Both a little snacky, yes. Uh, but of course, the healthy stuff tastes like sand, and the stuff that tastes good isn't healthy, right? Not IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are a quick, low-carb option that I love to grab for my midday slump. So start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. Get seven IQ Bar flavors, four IQ Mix flavors, and four IQ Joe flavors. And today, our listeners get an exclusive offer for 20% off plus free shipping. Just text Holderness to 64000, which is 64000. All IQ Bar products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMO, and artificial sweeteners. Plus, they're packed with high-quality ingredients to keep you physically and mentally fit. And they have a bunch of delicious flavors like chocolate sea salt, which is my favorite, peanut butter chip, and wild blueberry. Don't forget over 10,000 five-star reviews and counting. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Holderness to 64000. Get your discount. Text Holderness to 64000. That's Holderness to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This show is sponsored by Care Of. Penn, the birds are singing. Mm-hmm. The, the buds are on the tree. Yes. Winter is finally turning into spring. Yeah, you're a big fan of the spring. And you know, I also love the sun finally coming out from hiding. And you know me, the cold weather just wreaks havoc on my skin, my energy levels, everything. And that is why you've, Kim, you've been trying the Care Of Vitamin Packs? Yep, they have these daily packs that you can take on the go, like ceramides, which help reinforce your skin's protective barrier, and iron for energy levels. Yeah, it's awesome because all you do to get started is take a short online quiz about your lifestyle and your health goals, and Care Of will give you doctor-backed recommendations. And they ship high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. And something new at Care Of, if you're not yet ready to subscribe to monthly packs, some of their best-selling vitamins are now also available in bottles. For 50% off your first Care Of subscription order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code HOLDERNESS50. That's 50% off your first Care Of subscription order at TakeCareOf.com and use code HOLDERNESS50. Perhaps getting another personal 
detail about them. Maybe they reveal a little bit more. Maybe they have a few more questions, but it is a long conversation over a decade. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it doesn't even end when they go to college. You're still having conversations about caring for other people, about relationships. Now they're in more serious relationships, so they have a different level of questions. So it really doesn't end. And, and you, would, you wrote about how we really are in more contact with our kids now than, say, I was with my mom, who I'm very close to. But when I left for college, it's not like I was texting her every day. I didn't have a cell phone. So and I think we called every Sunday night at five o'clock. So we essentially talked once a week. But now there's this expectation. We really are more in contact with our kids, right? Absolutely. All the research that we've looked at shows that from various different sources. It's like 60% of the people today, 20-somethings, are in touch with their with their parents. They see them weekly. They talk to them daily. And that was about 40% when their par- you know, parents' generation um, were 20-somethings. So it's been a, a big sea change that you can't entirely explain for cell phones and, lo- and uh, cheaper long-distance calls. It's really just a totally different way of relating to um, generation to generation. And what is the impact then on the type of relationships that, how is my relationship going to be different with my daughter than I say had at that time with my mother? This is going to make you both really happy. What we're, what the research shows is that they talk to us more about all the most important things in their lives, about their romantic lives. They talk to us about their work lives. They talk to us about their careers. They talk to us about their aspirations, all things that 20 somethings didn't necessarily talk to their parents about. They are now speaking with us about from college onward. And I think that right now there's this sort of these 20 somethings, people like, oh, they don't even know how to do X, Y, Z. But like put a stamp on an envelope, like all these kids are being teased for not knowing how to do these, not knowing how to do these certain adulting things. But when it comes down to it, like that's not a good measure of what an adult is these days, right? Like who needs, I don't even remember the last time I put a stamp on anything. That, that isn't what's, what matters. And, you know, you'll see these lists about what we need to teach them before they go to college. And we really feel like you need to teach your kids before they go to college the things they can't learn on YouTube. You can learn on YouTube how to put a stamp on, a, <laughs> on, on an envelope. You can't learn how to deal with disappointment, whether you take out your guitar or whether you start drinking. That's the kind of thing you're going to learn at home. You can't learn how to end a relationship well, either a friend or a romantic relationship from YouTube. You can learn how to do your laundry on YouTube. So we see those adulting skills and we think they're pretty unimportant in the scheme of things because our kids know how to find the video. What they need to know is the much more important personal skills. There are like there are approximately seven videos on how to handle disappointment on YouTube. I'm just telling you, they're not the right they're not the right videos. They should learn but it from their parents. But if there's only seven, <laughs> that, that's not a lot. Like there are seven thousand videos on how to pick up things with your toes. <laughs> so I I mean honestly, I saw the I saw the results. You're you're so right. You're so right. YouTube has everything, but well, not that. But not that. Yeah. And and on the college discussion we have first of all i started crying because they uh, all of our friends were posting pictures of dropping their uh, freshmen off at you know in their dorms this year and i was just crying for them but which one of you one of you had a not so sad college drop off experience right or or no, not me. You, I cried my eyes out. You cried your eyes out? <laughs> yeah. But I would say that mine was less traumatic because our son played football. He went to school at Trinity at Hartford, Connecticut. It yeah. was an hour and a half away. We were going to see him almost every weekend for the fall. So knowing that, you know, we had all of this, um, all of these visits already baked in, it really helped the transition tremendously. Not that I didn't miss him. 
Right. Is there? Um, I know you guys have a it, lot of information about how to drop kids off at college. Can you can you go through that? Just tell us what to do so we're prepared. <laughs> One important thing is not to overbuy. That's probably our biggest thing, biggest suggestion for parents. You're inundated as a. Uh, you know, as a rising freshman parent, let's put it, with lists in every every store you go to, every website, as college essentials. Uh, when our daughter went to college, the school sent us 85 different things that mu- we must have. And I think that sends parents over the edge. It's also like super expensive and, and totally unnecessary. So we've made all those mistakes. We bought all those things that, that uh, we were told we needed to buy and realized that they were kind of not that important or worthless or didn't work. Lisa has a great story about buying risers for a son who was in a bunk bed. And then <laughs> would have that- pressed his roommate up against the ceiling. Yes. So clearly that wouldn't work. <laughs> but do you remember, do you remember the day that your parents dropped you in college? Do you yes, remember the day? of course. Yeah. So it's a super big day. It's like a day like weddings. It's a day like bar mitzvahs. It's like a big day in life and it sears into our memory. So it was one thing I could think of, which I didn't do any of the three times I'd done this, is think of what you want to say that matters. The temptation is to say, change your sheets every two weeks. It's disgusting to sleep on filthy sheets. That's not what you want your kid to remember for the rest of their life. Like, yeah. How you convey your love, how you convey how important your family is, how you're going to stay, t- whatever it is that matters to you, think about that before drop-off. First of all, you're often, I was crying uncontrollably. So like, <laughs> if I hadn't, you know, you need to do some thinking. But just know it's one of those days in life. And there aren't, there aren't 20 of them. There's a handful of them. It's one of them. And make it the day that you want it to be for your kid. Yeah, my mom couldn't, she couldn't be there for the actual final thing. She stayed in the car because she was crying so much. And my dad, he said, all right, Ben, always tell the truth and don't get pregnant. You don't get, you yeah. don't get pregnant. Well, I think it was his way of saying, don't do that to someone else. But it was, it was funny and it was a laugh and it was a good point and well taken. And then he kind of, you know, I, I was like in line to check into my dorm and he, he's like, you good? And I was like, I'm good. And he kind of faded into the hedges, sort of like yeah. slowly moved away. And I turned around and he was gone. Probably um, to probably and, to have a little cry of his own or a little I, moment. It's really something. It's I mean, you all remember dropping your kids off in kindergarten or, or not dropping yes, them off maybe, yeah. but doing doing I, the fade. That, and it's that, not it's yeah. it's very much like that. Only now that kindergartner well, it, is eighteen. Oh it's a gosh. wild celebration of having health care for eight hours a day. Healthcare, because that's child what. Care? Or sorry, sorry, childcare. Yeah, that's that's what kindergarten was for me. No, you so, actually. Yes. No. I'm gonna get some work done. This is the difference. I cried my eyes I, out. Yeah. I, well, I, I was sort of sad, but anyway, I think college will be different. What's worse, dropping off the first one or the last one? I can't I think, even say. I, by the way, I can see their faces. They both. <laughs> just went white as a sheet shook their heads because i think they're both i'm guessing they're just both terrible is that what, is that what i'm it's all yeah. terrible yeah they're they're awful in equal ways but uh our daughter went to school in virginia so she was she was seven hours away from where we were and we did she was not playing football what a shock and we weren't going to see her you know for a month and i had seen her every day for her of her life practically so that was a harder thing for me than um, with Walker, but it was a circumstance of, of knowing that there was going to be a lot of time that would go by. And she was also the last child. So, uh, you know, knowing oh. that we were going to come back and have, it would be my husband and I and our two Labradors. Yeah. It would be a really different situation than when we had kids in and out of the house all the time. 
Uh, what about you, Lisa? You're not wanting to answer you know the what? question. I just did such a bad job each time. I didn't think of what I was going to say. I sobbed uncontrollably. You guys know I-95. I had to pull over on the shoulder. Oh, that's the worst highway in the drive. world. So I have not, I've got nothing to give here. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you for being honest because I'm already, is it weird that I'm already kind of anxious about it? You and I are anxious about two different things. You're anxious about dropping our kids off in college. I'm anxious about getting our kids into college. <laughs> I'm not sure why we're not talking. I, look, I'm trying to take Lisa's advice. It was great advice. She said, let's let's let them have their high school. That's fine. So then that's me. I'm the guy who's going to be freaking out about getting them into colleges. Well, like I, I, I don't apply- get in. Everybody, there's always a college. I mean, they mm, may have to take mm. out. 10 years of it, loans, but... I applied to six colleges when I was in high school, and everybody around me was like, that's the most I've ever heard anyone apply for. How many colleges are kids applying for now, guys? Six is kind of the minimum. Yeah. Gotta really? tell you, it's yeah. It's bonkers. It's six is the minimum. Okay, yeah, my pits are not, sweating. I know. And, and like, I don't want to say this around them, but I am freaking out about that whole thing. Oh, I feel God. like we're doing a decent job of saving. We'll, like, you know, we'll, we'll be able... The kids will be able to go to college, but... <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was stressful for me. It seems like it's 20 times worse now. We, we don't tell parents not to think about it. We don't p- tell parents not to f- plan for it, freak out if you want to freak out of it. It's just taking that college exp- high school experience away from kids and, and just coloring it by college the whole time. Right. That's just that's Yeah, just it's rough. not fair. Now, yeah. okay. It rough. also puts so much pressure on them. You know, they already have enough pressure just growing up and being kids and... Yeah learning about high school that to think that they've got these you know their parents expecting them to go to their alma mater or you know to one of the highly selective schools or a very expensive school it's um it's too much to involve them in that and they're going to change too kids who think that they are only want to have you know go to a certain school study a certain major play a certain sport may have completely changed between 10th 11th and 12th grades is there a a piece or a couple pieces of advice that you would give us and other families as we're entering this grown and flown stage of parenting. I would, I'm going to give you a metaphor. Try and think about like you're teaching a kid to drive. You're going to teach your kid to drive. You remember learning to drive. You're in the passenger seat of your kid's teenage years. If you grab the wheel and try and drive it for them, that's a problem. But if you sit side by side with them, telling them what you know and letting them do it the same way we all learn to drive. We all remember that. We don't have that, that extra break that the, that the, yeah, uh, the drivers, yeah. <laughs> but that's grounding them. Um, if you, if you think of yourself as that teacher in the um, car or the parent in the car, teaching a kid to drive, it's really helpful in terms of deciding whether or not you should let them do something and whether you're over parenting. Um, because that's ultimately we want to let them drive that car, which is their life by themselves. So good. What about you, Mary Dell? Well, I think I think that um, back to college admissions and that whole process a little bit. That really starts for many kids in tenth grade with the PSAT. Right. Um, that's kind of the green flag, you know, if you will, to use a race car analogy. But that is when it starts. It can be a very overwhelming experience just knowing whether or not they should take it or not take it in tenth grade. But it gives parents an opportunity to sit with their kids and help them teach some adulting skills. We have, you know, kids' teen brain development just is not there and won't be there until their mid to late 20s. They can't expect to be organizational wizards um, at a young age. They're computer wizards, yes, but maybe not organizational wizards. So as they're going through these more um, complex processes, even sometimes picking classes in high school can be very complex. 
it's a great time for you to not do the work for them, not choose the classes, not fill out the forms, but actually sit with them and, and, and help, them, help them develop their own organizational skills because they can learn from you. That is great advice. All the things that we need to do. Mm-hmm. Is there, um, you have grown and flown how to support your teen, stay close as a family, and raise independent adults. That's available ev- all On the, the places. Internet? All the places. Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Stores everywhere. <laughs> um, everywhere. And what else do you guys have going on, and where can people find you? Um, we are doing, we've kicked out a sort of a fun thing called 50 States of Books Tours, uh, book clubs, and we are trying to reach out to people who have book clubs in all 50 states. We're making a little headway, um, so we're excited about that. But if any of your listeners have book clubs and they are interested in reading Grown and Flown, we would be delighted to connect with them. Um, We're anticipating that many, if not most of these, will be a a Skype visit like we're doing here with you all today. Um, But we're really excited about that. We're also going to be traveling starting uh, Wednesday, the day after tomorrow. We're driving up to Massachusetts. Lisa is from California. She's going to do a Western state. I'm going to be down in Texas. We have um, a few other trips planned um, all over the country, and those are all on our our website, on our uh, book page, so you can see where we're going to be in case any of those are convenient spots for you. And they're working out some way to make it to Hawaii, I'm sure. Oh, my if they gosh. Can get that 50th and if you state, need an like, assistant on that happen. one. Exactly. Yeah. Need Absolutely. an assistant, I will carry what, luggage. What do you two think parents are most worried about when their kids start high school? Because we gave you what we thought parents should think about. What, what are they most worried about? College, sex, drugs, and alcohol. I, well, I actually, I went on my... Um, I just went, I went succinct. Yes. You went succinct. <laughs> yeah. I actually, in preparation for this, I actually talked to some moms, friends who have high school students, and overwhelmingly the sex thing because um one girlfriend said that whose son confided that yeah i mean everybody basically by 10th grade has had sex and her son's a junior and she's like wait what and then and then that's in the weird room mirror (laughs) yes and so and then the other thing was how to take on that advisor role in the passenger seat as in your metaphor and not you know, you you were you were saying you were you were advising, but not turning them off to you know. So they're doing college tours, and they have very strong opinions about like this would be a great college for you. But the minute they say that, they actually turn the kid off to that opportunity. So I think it's a lot of so that's communication, right? So like how to talk to your kids in a in a in a way that's impactful. I would say. Yeah, we, we do. We dress a bit of this in the in the book because it really is all the transitioning into the listening role. Um, it's really hard to shut up. The hardest yeah. thing you learn how to bite the inside of your lip in a way you never knew was possible. Oh, my gosh. Um, but if we think about it as this is a chance for me to get to know the adult that's coming into my family, there's an adult that's going to appear in my family over time um, that that helps with the listening. To shut up is good advice. Yeah, to yeah, shut up and listen to them talk about that crazy stuff. I mean, I feel like I can be a good example for my kids because I did save myself for college, um, which <laughs> he, is that the real truth is I was unsuccessful until in high college. School. Um, <laughs> it is unsuccessful. Yeah, in high school. yeah, but I can tell them that I saved myself. I just went like O oh, for twenty, um, oh and so yeah. different episode. Pen. Anyway, different yeah, episode. no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, but I will say I think like that, that may go kind of across mom and dad lines a little bit. Like, I mean, obviously, dads like we have that kind of 
you know, get off my lawn with a shotgun like any time a boy comes up. But I think as a whole, like that's a stereotype that we feel in the back of our heads and what really stresses a lot of us out is the is the college mm-hmm. and and the, like the drugs and alcohol. But we're yeah. just like we like I guess because we just don't have as much of a role as you do. As yeah. we as we uh, you know talked about before, there's not much I'm going to be able to do as a dad, except just be myself and say, you know, I was chased. In, in high school but but you are because you can whether you know you, you describe your daughter as not listening as not talking but that doesn't mean you can't talk i mean she's listening to you even if we think they don't want to hear us they, even though it almost seems like they just about have their fingers in their ears they're really really listening there's a great study we cite in the book where kids in freshman year in college drank less on days they spoke to their parents on the phone whether or not their parents talked about alcohol because when they spoke to their parents the, you know, the message came back again. They'd heard the message wow. over and over again. Um, yeah. So we have a huge influence even when we think we don't. Right. Well, you guys, I'm so excited about your book. So many of us need to hear your words. And now that I have your email addresses, I'm just going to be emailing you questions nonstop. So sorry about that. <laughs> and, and, and also to our listeners, um, I bet you they'll jump in every once in a while in our podcast group once yeah. uh, once this thing comes out. And I yeah. bet you they can give you some great advice. Yeah. So, so, ch- so should they go to grownandflown.com? Is that where you want people to go? Grownandflown.com is our website and our Facebook group, which, as Lisa said before, is crazy conversation 24-7. It's like the wildest party you've ever been to where people never stop talking about every subject in the world. It's really it's really quite engaged is uh, Grown and Flown Parents. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for taking this time. I really appreciate it. I feel like you guys are, you know, have forged a path here and then creating a community. I think it's so cool that you've created a community uh, for this stage of parenting, because gosh, it feels so daunting. So thank <laughs> Good you. Good for it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Okay. We appreciate it. Okay, so thanks to Lisa and thanks to Mary Dell. Um, I'd like to know how the father of two elementary school daughters feels about that last forty-five minutes. Max, how uh, how how was that for you? Like you're a little bit you're a little bit farther behind in a lot of this stuff. As a father that has a nine-year-old. Uh, <laughs> Well, put it this way, this weekend we went camping and there were a bunch of little boys camping along as well. And we noticed that they, little boys, drew penises in the sand. Oh. Uh, I mean, that starts at about that age. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. They to were you. all giggling and yelling and laughing and then running away and the whole time looking at me dead in the eye like, <laughs> I just did this. And my oh my daughter, God. you know, naively just walks by and was, What is that? I go, Oh, you don't want to know. She's like, What? And. Uh, unfortunately, she figured it out for herself. She goes, "Is that?" Goes, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's what you think it is. Yeah, it, it, but but the brazenness of them. So what, oh yeah. So what did you like? What do you think you're going to worry about? And you think it's going to be sex? You think it's going to be drugs, alcohol, college? Like what do you think? Like what are you prematurely stressing about with a nine year old? I think being some of the listeners know that I do like a food and beverage podcast. I'm always around food and beverage and alcohol. All this stuff is kind of constant in our life. So I think we've kind of set the tone for that. So that doesn't bother me as much because we're very open about what that means. Yeah. I think it's about college. I think it's about expectations and, and, and schoolwork and like all of that. That's really freaking me out. Do you think you're going to get to that point with your daughters where it's going to be tougher to communicate with them because they're becoming women and you're a dude? I'm I'm only I'm not yeah. trying to bum you out. I'm just no, wondering I'm, if like that's something you've thought about. I laugh at that because you're dealing with it right now, being at, at the more advanced level age with with Lola. But I can see it because right now I am enjoying the fact that they actually care who I am and what I have to say. 
So I can I can see how that eventually it will go away, but that's why I'm just gobbling it all up right now. Well, you're very cute with your kids, and it seems like you're doing a good job. So Did sorry, you... I had to duck out because um... what, what, who, what, what just happened? <laughs> no, nobody signed up to bring snacks for the team, and everybody's starving. She's like, "Can you stop and bring snacks? It's a team wide problem." Wait a minute. So nobody in the middle sna- of the <laughs> nobody has snacks is or drinks. Is she done? Dun, no, dun, she hasn't dun. started, but she's like, "Can you get here with drinks and snacks? Because nobody has drinks or snacks." Oh my gosh. So I'm um, I'm helicoptering okay, for go. a twelve go. year old Kim, girls. Kim, Kim's okay. got to go, and and are you going to bring shoes too? Or no, I'm not doing that. All I right, okay, Max. For the look. record, I draw the line at bringing her <laughs> shoes. She's going to play in flip flops. I can't tell you how proud I am of you, honey. No. Um, you could loan her your shoes. They're yep, they're not going to happen. Okay, um, so uh, for Kim and Max, hey, <laughs> this is Penn. I'm by myself in the room. My wife has left me, and uh, don't forget about Karen. Karen, bump it up, date. Thanks for listening. Oh, if you also if you uh, made it to this part of the podcast, take a screenshot of it. And what does Kim tell me? Like, put it on the thing. Take a screenshot, <laughs> tag the Holdenish That's family. Yes, yes. But do it on your Instagram or on your Facebook feed, and uh, and write a review. Okay, that's perfect. I'm glad that you pay attention when she says those things. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>